Hey folks, and welcome back to this week's episode of The Prestige, a podcast by film lovers for film lovers. Each week we pick a film, we review that film, we discuss some of the ideas and themes and motifs and styles it throws up. Uh, we are currently in episode three of our Wes Anderson month. So far we've done Bottle Rocket and we've done The Aquatic Life of Steve Dizou, and this week we're picking up with The Grand Budapest Hotel. And always we end our show with recommendations, movies that are inspired by this movie, or films that uh, we can just kind of link to the movie uh, in some tenuous way. Just kind of giving away there what I'm going to be doing later. But we always start with what else we've been watching, things we've kind of caught up outside of what we need to watch for the show. Uh, and as always, for this month, I am joined by my, my good human friend, Chris. Hello, good human friend, Rob. <laughs> um, and he's filling in for Sam, or Sam's off being a busy father, and Chris is in his mission to kind of convert me a little bit to the Wes Anderson ways, as I have been publicly and vocally opposed to these movies. Yeah, you know, Sam has responsibilities and I don't, so, uh, you know... Yeah. I can... <laughs> Yes, ter- terrifying fatherhood. <laughs> he says with his own daughter. There's also terrifying. Um, so, Chris, what else have you been watching this week? Is it another obscure cartoon I've never heard of? No, I, I've, I've very deliberately erred away from cartoons this week because otherwise I realised I was just coming across as a guy who hasn't actually seen any films and just watches cartoons. So, uh, in fairness, you do do a show about literally watching cartoons. I mean, that's true, and like, and that has been weird because we took a sort of month off and then we've gone back to watching cartoons it's like this feels really weird now it's like we used to just this used to feel like just what happens on a tuesday and now it's like ah i'm going around to your house to watch three or four cartoons that's a very strange thing to do uh but yeah uh so uh i went to see uh hotel artemis um which is Mm -hmm. uh a sort of near future i guess sci-fi ish um setting but it centers around uh, a uh, nurse running a uh, sort of hospital and surgery for uh, criminals. But it's a members-only situation in a near-future LA that has basically f- fallen seemingly to be just a, a, a constant, like, riot. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it's Jodie Foster is running this hospital. And it basically centers around the uh, the night where all that falls apart uh so like it yeah it's it's very like low-key sci-fi but it, uh, it's definitely has that sort of vibe but jodie foster as as in everything is fantastic uh it's got dave bautista who i i just think has been uh a joy in pretty much everything i've seen him in um jeff goldblum is there being jeff goldblum charlie day is there being charlie day uh it's really hard to talk about it without ruining like quite a lot of the things that just made it cool uh, mm-hmm. but aside from a couple of little uh, plot holes which uh, were a little bit of a shame just because like a single shot in the edit could have just fixed them or at least made you go okay it's probably fine uh, but aside from those little things it was just a really really cool uh, just slick little I guess thriller but um, it's yeah definitely worth a watch definitely some very very cool ideas Uh visually just awesome and uh yeah a, a, a great cast um it feels very uh john wick sort of inspired yes mm. very uh like when it when it's brutal it's very abrupt and uh when and everything feels quite well just by merit of the setting uh very claustrophobic um 
which yeah definitely lends to that vibe i think it's on my list to check out at some point um in the future I've also managed to catch up on a recent movie this week, not in the cinemas, but a recent release, um, and that's the film Game Night. I wanted to go and see that. I was like, I, I thought I, I saw the trailers and hated it, and then like just a lot of people I suspect actually went, "Do you know what? That was actually that was actually pretty good." How do you feel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, in the same boat is that I looked at. You know, I'm. It felt very like you know what? I'll probably catch that on Netflix in two or three years' time when I'm really bored one random Tuesday evening. Um, but like you, I saw enough people who I rec- who I sort of respect go. Yeah, you know what? It's pretty good. Um, Rachel McAdams got a lot of plaudits um, for it, um, and so I thought, you know what? Well, we got you know Sunday night. I'll check it out, and so we watched it, and it was really good. It was really really good. It's smart. It's funny. Um, it's very. I, I really liked it because I felt this film could easily sway towards you know bickering couple you know get involved and the couple themselves are always supportive of each other the friends in the um in sort of the game night are always very supportive of each other it's weirdly wholesome for a movie that is about a game night kidnapping gone wrong yeah because like the trailer made it look like it was i don't know gonna (laughs) gonna be kind of like i don't know like sore but they're trying to make that funny and it's like and it's just like i don't think that's gonna work not sore but like you know what i mean it essentially it is if you've seen the um michael um the, the david fincher movie the game it is the yes. comedy version of the game and, um and yeah. that sounds terrible but it's it a it knows its source material very well if you are a fan of the game like i am there's so many references to it in the movie um, there's so many, it's so well aware of who it's where it's coming from. It's references to Fincher's career and his other work, um, and the characters are believable, but still within a comedy world. Um, and yeah, I just you know, it's it, it was really enjoyable, and I would I would heartily recommend it to uh, anyone um, a who enjoys games as as me and Chris do, but also enjoys the movie. It is it is fun, very fun. Cool. Uh, that's just one more person on the list of you know people who you know I actually listen to their opinions on films who've said it's good. So I'll probably check yes. it out. It, it is. It is worth watching. It's it you know it's it's a good fun movie. Yeah. So guys, as I said at the beginning, we are continuing our Wes Anderson month, and we are now in week three, and we are looking at his 2014 movie, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Why do you want to be a lobby boy? Who wouldn't? At the Grand Budapest, sir. And so my life began. Junior lobby boy in training under the strict command of Monsieur Gustav H. Many of the hotel's most valued and distinguished guests came for him. I love you. I love you. She was dynamite in the sack, by the way. She was 84. Mm, I've had older. This was also when I met Agatha. She's charming. She's so charming. Is he flirting with you? Yes. I approve of this union. I became his pupil, and he was to be my counselor and guardian. The police are here. The story is a story within a story within a story, but the uh, the main narrative thrust of the movie is the tale of uh, Mr. Gustav, who is the concierge of the Grand Budapest Hotel. And it is about his, I suppose, his adventures as a, a concierge before he becomes the a fugitive on the run before he becomes a felon and then gets back on the run and comes back to the um, concierge. And it's kind of very 
cyclic and that's the story but it's also a story within several nested layers it very much is a kind of a russian doll of a movie but chris what yes you're the one who's bringing these movies to me are you still a the wes diehard wes anderson fan i know you are at this point uh this is probably the the uh peak of it for me uh like i genuinely feel this is his most uh certainly his most i would say objectively like competently assembled film and like mm-hmm. that's no i mean even just talking about the life aquatic uh last week uh, you know we know that's not something he's particularly alien to past a certain point in his career but also i i i, I just love this movie like i mean most mo- most of the others are uh, with the exception really of the royal tenenbaums like most of the others i elite, like i have a soft spot for um this one i genuinely think uh, beginning to end is a superb film um Okay, and that, that, that's why okay. this is what I have. This is why this one has entered in. So, like, I started with Bottle Rocket because it's the first one. The Life Aquatic was what got me into it, and then mm-hmm. this is this is here because, to my mind, it is an incredibly well assembled uh, and you're just funny and heartwarming. And I don't know, I, I just love it. I just think it's a fantastic movie. Fair enough. I, 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 I can tell I'm, by the tone of your voice you don't like it, Rob. You could, yeah. Well, we didn't really touch on it much much last week, as we actually we talked a lot about uh, Life Aquatic, but not really our feelings on it. Um, and I kind of warmed to that film by the end of it. I, I, I still I still find that his style keeps me at arm's length a little bit, but I did warm to that movie. This one I just couldn't get into. I found it overly long and overly kind of fussy as a film it felt very it's all as we discussed last week this is all personal taste i think the films are as you say they are masterfully created um and the visuals particularly of this film are outstanding every shot on this you can on a wall it's a beautiful film and i found myself enjoying it as a visual feast um my background obviously being as a as a film colorist i'm always enjoy colors and visuals of films and so I enjoyed it from that point of view. But I did find the the characters and the story less interesting this time. I just felt it was a bit too meandering. Um, whereas Steve Zizou had like a point. It was driving towards something. It was driving towards this idea of a redemptive father and the, sort of the, the catharsis of that. This, I felt, didn't. I didn't feel like it went anywhere with anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say, like, I, I, I definitely... I agree with you in the terms that like uh, the previous two we have watched have are definitely like something that is moving towards something else. Mm. And I think this one is far more about the development of really, I mean, it's about the development of one relationship really um, rather than uh, the development of a, a, a plot as it were, uh, yes. which I and I I I do know uh, quite often uh, I recommend films to people and people go I don't get it nothing happened and like I've just learned to kind of accept that sometimes I really do like a film where like in the grand scheme of things nothing really happens uh, mm. but I because I, I don't know but in this I I genuinely enjoy watching that relationship grow and I think it explores like 
it's I, I think it exp- it's more of an exploration of a theme and th- than it is a a plot driven like not romp because that takes it too far the other way but yeah, you, yeah I, I agree with you on that front and I think I think that that has to just come down to a matter of personal taste if you don't if you if you don't like like I know like watching anything that's kind of slice of life-ish or mm. uh, you know anything where really by the end of it nothing has been particularly achieved in the grand scheme like uh, I, I, yeah I would say <laughs> avoid it I also did think you wouldn't like this one as much because the, the word you brought up before we started this uh, this uh, this month was um, that the reason you didn't like him was that it was twee and yes it is twee like there's no there's no two ways about it like it would be remiss of me to uh to claim that it was not uh i just don't mind stuff being a bit twee <laughs> yeah i i i twee is one of those words I, I don't get on well with twee things but i will say if you like yourself if if the wes anderson style clicks with you then this is 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 peak anderson yeah, in his, it, in terms of like his like in in just a cinematography terms, like this is if you want to just mm. show someone what a Wes Anderson film is like, <laughs> like and like point if you need something to point out, like freeze frame it and point out various things, like yeah. this is the one to do it with. It is, and, and I, I see what you're saying with with the sort of the films where nothing really happens. And I'm I am like a, a, like you, I am a strong advocate for slow cinema. I'm a strong advocate for movies that kind of go nowhere and do nothing. Um, and unlike you, I've, I've kind of <laughs> said this. A lot of my friends just aren't going to like the movies I recommend to them. This to me, I think my issue with this, it felt like it was trying to jam four films into one. It wasn't that nothing happened. It was just that too much happened. You know, with the whole going to jail and the um, prison break and the sort of the family the uh, for the picture. And it just felt, it wasn't that nothing happened. It was that loads happened that kind of wasn't resolved and kind of went nowhere. And suddenly there's this secret cabal of monks who live on top of a mountain. It just felt like there was... Have you ever seen the movie Adaption? Yes. And Wait, how... It, adap- adaptation. A, the, yeah, the, the, the Kaufman film. Yes, yeah. Film. yeah. And that film's a kind of explanation of writing. And the film is very much in two halves. The second half goes wildly off track and, and strays desperately close to action movie territory. Um, and the idea being that the, the writer, as it were, is throwing everything that early in the movie he said was terrible into the movie to make it interesting. And this felt a bit like that, that when Sanderson has loads of these like, these great ideas and these really interesting ideas about the, 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 the scene in which he goes to the monks or the cakes um, kind of throwing through the, through the movie. But it just, for me, it didn't coalesce into a whole. It felt like a bunch of interesting scenes and well-shot little vignettes. Um, that That's interesting because, like, much like you brought up so you brought up the Russian doll nature of the story, and mm. like I, I feel like this film, like so you've got uh, Monsieur Gustave's world, which is this sort of like the, this this the, this decadent and ultimately like dead society, but like mm. it's like it, it's it's dying out and it's all he has and it's what he's holding on to, and you've got Zero who comes from 
nothing and just l- looks up to that society go like and it's i uh, know i think as it goes on i genuinely really like the uh this as i say like nested nature of as they each discover the other side um mm. and so like all the sort of secret like the the society of the crossed keys stuff like i i really like the idea that everything everything aspirational that zero sort of wants it to be like it ha- it is and it always secretly has been and it's like mm-hmm. this very sort of like you know he gets to move up and into this society and Monsieur Gustav is like in a similar way to in the life aquatic last week he's he's got the veneer and he's really he's largely not unaware but uh deliberately ignorant of everything else that's going on he doesn't really know about this war like well, he knows it's happening but he it, it's not relevant to him and he's slowly seeing these other things and finding these these walks of life uh that are relevant to someone he has for whatever reason come to respect very highly and mm. i yeah i i genuinely think that the, the absurdity of like the 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 monks and the the painting and all that like i think I know. I I always saw it as like zero sees that like that side of the world is sort of like yeah, it's all it's all these fancy paintings and it's all these uh you know it's all these secret societies and they all help each other out and like that's why they can remain in this sort of beautiful uh way of life. And I love that that all just sort of comes in truth form, but he also sees <laughs> like the dirty side of it, which is that maybe Monsieur Gustave isn't that person maybe he's blagged it as it were um yes and yeah i know i i i i love those little absurd things and i i i didn't think they particularly felt well i mean they feel absurd but i didn't think they felt out of place i i I see what you're saying there and i will concede those points i think the thing that i was really interested in watching movie was this idea of the sort of the the unreliable narrator absolutely Um, and narrators, um, because um, the film is kind of it's so nested. Like it, it's a young girl in a graveyard reading the book written about the author's younger self, in which he was told a story about the storyteller's younger self. So there's like, there's like, there's like four or five layers back through time to get to this point. And I, uh, in a similar way to we discussed in the Life Aquatic, uh, just from a stylistic point, quickly is that uh, the aspect ratio of the film changes mm. through those uh, nestings uh, to be, I mean, largely sort of of the time it's talking about. So it starts in the sort of mo- your your modern, like you know big wide sort of shot and it sort of as it goes back it just creeps in until like because most of the film is in a 4-3 ratio yeah. uh, and, feel, and feels very boxy and claustrophobic and fake because of that um, and yeah I just thought that's an interesting move well, it, and it, I, I, I agree I think it was, it's that kind of visual back through timeness and it does feel because we do have an expectation of um, oldie tiny movie shall we say because of the nature of how We've embraced a more naturalistic style as, as time's gone on. That early films, being twenties and thirty films, feel very presented. You know, no, like, yeah. there are no illusions of realism in the in real movies from that era. 
And also, um, just because of where most of it takes place, it like it genuinely borders on like period drama. If you mm. know what I mean, it's it's yeah, you know, it's all the fancy clothes and like you know all very proper speech like a lot of the time. And yeah, and I think I mean I'll get into a bit film nerdy here. Um, that you know the twenties and thirties films have that kind of four by three ratio to a lot of them, um, and that. So as a as a film audience, we watch that and we expect the film to be a bit more unnaturalistic I and mean, we, we 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 kind of we're happy for it to be a little bit more formed and, and you film, expect certain behavior as well like yeah and, and the film i mean the film has a very distinct pastely texture to it a sort of a color scheme and if anyone's ever seen any um sort of early color film um, generally what was done was painted on the film. So you get a, a strip of I mean, you paint, paint the red on, paint the green on, paint the blue on. And you end up with this kind of very vibrant, but very muted colours um, on actual films from this era. Uh, because of the nature of having to paint on the neg- onto the negatives. Um, before we got into things like three strip, we have a red, green, blue. Um, and obviously these days you have colour film. Um, but the I remember stuff- watching a good number of those films as well, like it, which like I'd watched, I'd, I've watched it in black and white and in ones where they've decided to colourise. Mm. And uh, it's like, I did not expect his suit to be a pastel blue. That, yeah. That's not uh, what I thought was going on there. <laughs> And it felt, I mean, like Wes Anderson's leaning into that here a little bit. And yes, it, 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 it's beautifully shot and it's much crisper, sharper colours. But the film is embracing that aesthetic, it's embracing the colours that were available in this kind of colourisation of black and white films. They are pastels, they are the pinks and they are the greens, because those are the ones that vibrantly show up on the screen. Um, I think it also and- evokes that the end of, like, the end of a sort of era of, like, decadence in mm. that which is also obviously very thematically relevant to the film. Uh, it's not like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't fall short. It's not just aping a style like it, it, I, I think in those, certainly in those, in the hotel part, it's like, it delivers on those expectations. It like that, it, that it sets, sets you up for it's, it's not just aping it. It's, uh, like, you know, it's, it, it's, there to draw you into that into mm. that world oh yeah i agree i think it's it's, it's i mean to sort of for me to look for the thing that sort of i crystallized in the film to me was the linchpin of the whole thing is the courtesan or chocolat uh, which is the chocolate the cake um yes that, uh, they eat throughout it um and those obviously in the film it's like a three-tiered cake of profiteroles with the chocolate cream inside them yeah, it's like this teetering little tower. Like teetering danger. tower. Um, but it's that kind of stacked Russian doll that is so pastel and pink, but has inside it this really dark, rich chocolate. Um, and the film, like last week with Steve Zoo, like we talk about being twee and I thought about being kind of the whimsy, but the film in its own little way is incredibly dark. Yes. You know, it, 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 the, 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 there are recurring fascists there is uh, obviously a sort of racist uh, xenophobic element to their relationship with, Z- with zero these uh, sort of the soldiers there's the prison break in which um people dive brutally um other people get killed like, uh, people like it opens with kind of the poisoning and obviously through this history the nesting history you are well aware that this film this this almost opulent um hotel ends up being incredibly run down um and you know gone really and so it is as you said it's the the cake it's meat felt that this real kind of avatar of the entire story of this pretty beautiful almost 
delicate cake. Yeah, precarious is the word I was... Yeah. It's like, it's Uh, just this... Like, at any moment, that could be ruined by just the slightest thing. And... um, It's filled with this darkness inside it. Yeah, it's like, it's a... Yeah, it's a a strong visual metaphor for the the situation. And also, just in terms of, like, even just down to the icing, like, because you, like... uh, when you, you see the Grand Budapest Hotel a few times, like in the context of its surroundings, and mm. like, uh, like it's this bright pink, like well pastel pink building, but the mountains behind it just look just look normal. Like it, that, that, when you see the hotel itself, it's this overlay almost this this just separate thing, and I, I don't know. I think just. I, I I think you're right. The, 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 it's a it's a visual metaphor for that world and that, um, yeah, it's it's external and internal uh, situation, how it's viewed from the outside and what's on the inside. Yeah, it's a, it's that kind of that precariousness. And the film, I mean, through the entire film, Gustav and Zero feel like they're they're one step from utter tragedy. Um, yes, it has that. They say that kind of precarious feel to all of it. And as the film opens, telling us about, you know, how this was the last days of this kind of life, um, it, the whole world has a feeling of like we're teetering on the edge of collapse into uh, the Jude Law sort of scenes, which are in the, uh, I think, in the 70s, it's set. Uh, um, yes. Yeah. It's clearly a, a very different environment the hotel is then compared to how it was. Um, so you do have that feeling of it's, it's collapsed and gone. Um, you're almost convinced me to like it. <laughs> you're talking you're talking yourself into it um, uh, i think it would be remiss of us to uh not uh talk at least some about ray fyan's performance in this film i mm. think I, i've not seen him a lot before this in particularly comedic uh roles no not um i, I was him as a serious actor certainly uh and I, I I honestly think he nails it. I I I think it, like nearly uh, much like um we talked about in Bottle Rocket with uh like just those really fast Dignan uh spiels mm. like I think obviously at entirely the other end of the uh, the social spectrum like uh, Ray Fiennes as uh, Monsieur Gustave genuinely just like I know there's so many little just beautiful nuggets to find in just bits that. Like, if you just stop listening for a split second, it's like, well, you've missed, you've missed a couple of jokes there. There's some good bits there. I, 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 I was just the first time I saw this film. I, I, pretty much just grinning the entire the entire time he was speaking. Um, yeah. I just like yeah. I just I I just think he's just incredibly funny, and I genuinely believe him as a real person, even though it's absolutely absurd that he could be uh but it's just it's this very practiced uh sort of uh very but seemingly very proper um like etiquette Mm. occasionally just suddenly broken by by just a genuine like normally revulsion at something and i the whole facade goes out the window for about half a second and then he sort of collects himself again and he's back in. And I, I just think his performance absolutely encompasses like that, the world like mm. that, that he occupies. Um, he does. He bends the world around that character and he, he's, he's in 
incredible. The word that came to mind for me was prissy. He has that moment of just being like, he's very respectable. He's very like, this is how we do this. And this is how it's done. Um, and even when he's in prison um, and living a very different life, he still has that same kind of like, no, no, we do things this way. Um, I don't really care if in prison. He, he, he still, you know, and yeah. part of that is the proper he, way yeah. to act. And part of that is like, you know, he beats a man on his first day because he thinks that's the proper way to act in prison. Um, but, but he can't help still, still be friends with the man afterwards. But it's only when he's got to present himself. Like, so very early on, uh, a uh, the, 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 the woman who gets poisoned, who's sort of the catalyst for the, the sort of caper part of the story, uh, mm. asks him to light a candle at this sort of at this shrine or like uh, for her. And he promises, like, he, he's bit like, he, he's been, you know, He's promised her everything. He's he delivered on every promise he's got. He promises her he will immediately go to this place and light this candle at the shrine. And as soon as she's gone, uh, Zero's got the candle. It's like, should I go and light the candle? And he's like, oh, fuck the candle. And they're just inside. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. It's just that that beautiful dichotomy. And again, it's like, ag- again, much like it was in The Life Aquatic and in uh, Bottle Rocket, uh, but just magnified massively in this film is that veneer and it's it's showing the cracks and it's when you can show when you can show yourself and when you can show like when you should show that you are that you're doing things properly and you are you're a part of this society and you are contributing and you are absolutely integral to this world and yeah i i just think he i just think he nails it so uh, we have discussed how I mean, we discussed the problems last week with finding recommendations for um, Wes Anderson films. But do you have something that's linked to this movie that you want to kind of recommend to the listeners? Uh, so having like after I you know I'd seen this film a good few times, uh, I saw a trailer uh, in the cinema for a Coen Brothers film called Hail Caesar, and it was uh, pretty much just Ray Fiennes uh, trying to teach. Uh, an actor to say would that it was so simple and it's just that that's the whole trailer it just does that for about a minute and a half and then it says hail caesar and i've never been more immediately sold by a trailer <laughs> i don't think he's a very similar he's playing a very similar character in terms of prettiness and like very proper like britishness in that film it's a you know it's a largely very different film but uh yeah so it's, it's not necessarily hugely connected but my the, the the reason I was for that film was because he reminded me of uh, his character in Grand Budapest Hotel, and also mm. it is sort of uh, I mean it is all about uh, film studios and the sort of era that uh, uh, we're talk we're dealing with here uh, maybe a little later, um, but it's it's a, it's another sort of fall of decadent society type film like showing the cracks in a in a veneer and uh, of a society that everyone looks up to uh it's got some fantastic people in it but uh in a yeah thematically linked to this uh, scarlett johansson's character uh in that film is like you know it's this you know beautiful you know screen goddess that everyone thinks is super wholesome but like when you see her like on set she's just she's she's got a fag on she's swearing like a trooper and it's just that it's yeah it shares that sort of veneer and reality dichotomy as well as having ray fiance doing his prissy british thing uh to incredible comic effect again 
so yeah, uh, hail Caesar! It's uh, it's great. Go and watch it. Fair enough. Excellent. I, I, it, it's it's one of those films that has lived on my to watch list for probably since the day it came out, and I still haven't seen it. I would especially recommend it, like to anyone who you know has a love of just you know old old films, especially old American films. Like it's it's just a must watch, just just for the the general. Just the references and the and the pastiche is just done so well. Mm. Fair enough, fair enough. So my recognition isn't thematic at all. It isn't kind of stylistically linked to Budapest Hotel at all. It is literally an actually link. Uh, I always enjoy finding a small character, see it popping, someone popping up, going, oh, I know you from that, I know you from here. Um, and I think Wes Anderson enjoys that too he enjoys the the fleshing out of very small parts um and putting people who are recognizable in those parts um in the uh, cross keys scene which is one of the things i really did enjoy this film when all the uh, the messieurs call around each other in hotels and round up to help uh, gustav one of them um the uh was played by fisher stevens um yes. who's an actor who has been around for a long time, famously from the Short Circuit series. Uh, but the film that I adore that he's in is the 1995 cyberpunk classic Hackers. Oh. Um, he pops up. He pops up as the bad guy um, in in Hackers against uh, Angelina Jolie and um, John Lee Miller. Um, he has great fun chewing the scenery as this kind of what the worst case scenario corporate hacker um and it's you know it is a film of its time very much so um it's a kind of a weird retro futuristic where they thought the world might go this way but because it's him pendulet and uh the guy who plays bunk from the wire are like the (laughs) like the corporate and and lorraine lorraine bracco who played um the from sopranos so it it is it's a very 90s movie i was gonna say this is the first time in probably a decade that i haven't heard it referred to as the 1995 film hackers (laughs) it's just what it's called um don't see the sequel it was terrible (laughs) um let's not let's not oversell hackers I love hackers, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think you've got to A, see hackers at the right time in your life and also be the same age as me and Chris. Um, to, uh, um, but yeah, it's just, it's a fun film. It's really, it's, you know, it's silly and it's very funny and it's very bombastic in its style. Um, and he plays in it. And I thought I should take the opportunity to, uh, to counterbalance the tweeness because it is very much not it also ha- It also has that joyous... Um sort of journey of discovery view of what the internet looks yes. like uh in the similar way to uh oh shit someone with keanu reeves uh johnny mnemonic yeah. it's like it's like i don't know it's just but just because again because of the time it was made and like compute cgi's sort of it exists but it's not it's, it's not great no. Uh, and like uh, they uh, i don't know it has this beautiful sort of very very hopeful uh like image and by image i mean like literally what the internet looks like uh but yeah i i always enjoy a film from that era uh that you know has this sort of like whoa view of the internet uh and yeah it's, it's very whoa about a lot of things um so yeah that's my recommendation the 1995 film hackers strong so guys we are back next week concluding our weddings month we're going to be watching his latest movie from this year itself Isle of Dogs. Till then, you can find me on Twitter 
at uh, Rob Kaiju, and you can find the whole show at Pretty Podcast. Uh, and uh, you can find me over at TSJ Community uh, on Twitter, uh, on kaiju.fm, doing the Space Jam Continuum podcast. And I'm also currently doing a stint doing a bad accent on Merely Role Players, which is a, a, a live play RPG podcast. Uh, and you can find that at Merely Role Play on Twitter. So that's it, guys. Um, as always, we really like making these shows for you. We really appreciate the support you give us by listening to us, by talking to us, and by sharing them. If you want to help us keep the wheels turning on Kaiju FM, on The Prestige, or on Space Jam Continuum, or any of our shows, we do have a Patreon. Uh, we offer rewards on there for like transcripts and bonus episodes and all of that kind of good Patreon stuff. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash kaijufm or just go to kaijufm kaiju.fm and click on support us we really appreciate anything you can help us keep the things going until then we'll see you next week